Hey everyone, welcome to the first ever episode of What's on the Menu, a podcast for food lovers where we talk about everything food, from dish history to good restaurants to the ways you could be spicing up your eating habits. After years of talking about it, the podcast is finally here and ready to go indefinitely until only five people are listening to it or it only gets dislikes. I am ready to roll and I will be giving all my hot food takes which I hope you'll try to convince me are wrong. This podcast will only be as good as the interest is in it, meaning if you guys interact with the content, I'll put more time into the technical quality since I have to produce it myself. It's not like I'm ever going to get paid for this thing anyways, but I'm sure we'll have some fun with it, so let's take a look at what's on the menu. I'm thinking the way a normal episode might work would be to be about 15, 30 minutes in length, talking about the history of some dish, sometimes doing the relevance of different foods like a, like a holiday special or Super Bowl foods or barbecue wars, something like that. I'll talk about the background, give some idea as to how it's best prepared, and then I'll give some restaurant recommendations. There's approximately a 100% chance that if you're listening to this, you know at least a little bit about my background, so you know that I'm fortunate enough to have grown up moving around to a million different places and traveling a lot specifically for food. I actually have a small food journal that has details of every restaurant I eat out at, and uh, I ran several food clubs and small businesses growing up. I say this not as a flex, but because I will try my best to highlight the best dishes in specific towns across the nation and even the world, all of which I'll try to post for you somewhere if you're interested. The other, I guess, qualification I have going into this is that I have no food allergies, no food restrictions. I love every type of food, and I'm willing to spend big money on good food. I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of Yelp, TripAdvisor, and the professionals that are extremely unhelpful for 10,000 reasons. That's why after teasing this thing for three years, I'm finally making a stab at trying to fill in those gaps while also maybe teaching a cool thing or two. So given it's the pilot episode of the podcast, today I'm going to be talking about my ranking system. If you've seen my Instagram, you know that I rate all the food I eat on a score from one to 10. It's a lot like ice skating scores or the Dave Portnoy one bite everyone knows the rules score. I don't do perfect tens. Lots of people hate when I say that, but it makes sense. If I go to a burger joint down the street and I give it a 10, and then go to another burger joint that opens right next to it, and that new one is better, does that make the new place a 10.1? Do I have to go back to all my old scores and adjust them based on the new high? No. There will always be potential for better, and any new place could pop up and be better than the rest. So people ask, Christian, what's the highest score you've ever given then? And to this day, I give the same answer. It was the Bonton Cafe in New Orleans, Louisiana, right off Canal Street, where I had a turtle soup appetizer, crab au gratin for the entree, cream cauliflower on the side, and a whiskey cream bread pudding with a butter pecan ice cream a la mode on top. Everything, and I mean everything at that restaurant, was in the nines. 
but the entree and dessert were both a 9.6, the highest score I've ever given for dishes. Sadly, due to COVID, the restaurant closed and I cried my eyes out for several nights. So if there's no perfect 10, then what does it take to get a nine or any of the other numbers? If something is a nine, that means it's in the top 10 of its kind. You would travel two hours, maybe even more, out of your way just to have that one dish. And I get it. Normal people don't travel more than 30 minutes for good food. But like a good relationship, if you really are in love, you will go to all lengths. But cracking in the nines is an extremely impressive feat. Um, not many dishes can do it. You really are in the top of your class. The eights are where you get the best in a generalized local area. Uh, but it may not be the best of all time. There are foods you would travel an hour for or have a special occasion at. Like if you lived in the suburbs and knowingly went all the way downtown just to eat some dish, that would count. Usually everyone has at least one or two eights in their general vicinity. Maybe even more if you're in a good food town. Um, you know, if you're in Houston, then you've got eights all around you. But if you're in Cheyenne, Wyoming, you probably have a fewer selection of eights. Sevens are gonna be the most common score. It is literally just good food. These are your staples that are about 15, 30 minutes away. Maybe your favorite Chinese restaurant or the sports bar that you've been going to since you were a kid. The food isn't spectacular, but it's good and does more than the average job. Typically, restaurants will be in this seven range because if they're not sevens, there's a high likelihood they're not gonna stay in business for that long. Where things start to go downhill is when you get to the sixes. A six is the cutoff for returning to a restaurant. Now, a six is still food that's pretty good, but if you were picking places to go, you wouldn't have a six on your list. But if your friend suggests it, you're gonna be like, cool, let's do it. You just know you wouldn't have picked it. The fives are food that's okay. And when your friend suggests it, you actually tell them, yeah, I'd rather not go there. It's pointless enough food to where you'd actively choose not to go, but it's still not that bad. Anything that's a four is just outright bad. You aren't gonna die from it, but you also don't like the taste or texture of it. Similarly, a three is very bad. You probably only have one bite, or you even spit it out. A two will leave a sickness in your mouth. Not get you sick, but you'll definitely not feel great at all walking out of the place. And then a one, is what's gonna give you food poisoning. So if I give something a zero, that means it's actually poisoning. I mean, you're, you're eating actual arsenic or something. So that's the whole point system. And so the only thing left to explain is the decimals. Simply put, the decimals are a measure of strong or weak emotions towards the dish in its number category. So for example, if I have a pulled pork sandwich and I give it a 7.9, that means you really like the sandwich and it just misses the point where you would drive out you know, 45 minutes, an hour for it. Versus a 7.1, which is pretty good and it's just good enough to go back. So hopefully that, that explanation helps you decipher my food ratings that I post on Instagram and will continue to post for the rest of time. The other way I rate food, however, is the tier ranking system. You've probably seen this on Twitter or on a Reddit page somewhere, 
but it's basically a letter grade that you categorize places more easily. I might do this every once in a while on, on the podcast when talking about generalized concepts. Like, if I'm rating the best fast food fried chicken sandwiches, I might do this tier ranking system instead just out of ease. Or the best grocery store canned tomato brands. It's fairly easy to understand because we all went to school. But rather than it being starting at an A being the highest, it actually is an S for superb. So an S is the top of its class. Elite. An A is great and always reliable. B is solid and usually reliable. C is pretty average. D is below average. And E is very bad but edible. F is still poison. So if you noticed, in talking about these ranking systems, I've only ever talked about the food. I don't care one iota about the ambiance and service when it comes to rating the food. Because that leads you down a path of the quote-unquote professional food critics, where as long as the restaurant kisses your ass, you get a passing score. This is also where you get the problem of your typical Yelp wannabe food critic. The review is either one star, the waiter was an abomination to the restaurant industry and didn't refill my beer the second I finished the drink. The place is a dump. Or you get the five stars, the restaurant was so cute and the server was so helpful because they took our order. Now, I'm not saying that service and ambiance are not important. They definitely are. However, if you're like me and care more about the food quality than anything, then you can understand why those other qualifiers can distort your score if you don't hone in on just the food. That said, I will once in a blue moon give comments on those features because they can be critical to the restaurant experience itself, meaning they either amaze me or they scare me. So if I make a comment on on those things, it has to be pretty significant, positive or negative. And that's it for the first episode of What's on the Menu. I'll try to put out at least once a week, but given I'm now producing three separate podcast concepts, we will end up seeing how consistent I am. Speaking of, you can probably see that I have all three of these podcasts under the umbrella of the Christian Hansen podcast, but I will put a W-O-T-M in the title just in case you don't want to hear about the sports or the music episodes as well. In terms of the content, I will be reading every possible comment which I know is probably the worst things you can do when you're starting up a podcast, but I care about what you all want to hear, so let me know. Nevertheless, I'll see you next time when we talk about our very first dish. Hasta lasagna, don't get any onion.